Join Global Genes and the Orphan Disease Center at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine for the annual Rare Drug Development Symposium, June 6th and 7th in Philadelphia. The symposium will focus on the drug development process and is designed to connect, educate, and inspire rare disease advocates. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org forward slash RDDS. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. The emotional impact a rare disease can have on siblings of children with these conditions can be significant. A sibling voices survey evaluating the psychological effects of growing up with a sibling with severe epileptic encephalopathies presented at the European Congress of Epileptology last year suggests these children may be at risk for anxiety or depression. We spoke to Lauren Schwartz, a psychologist at the Rehabilitation Medicine Clinic at UW Medical Center about the study, what it found, and what parents should take away from it. Lauren, thanks for joining us. Thank you. We're going to talk about a study of the siblings of patients where rare epilepsies and the impact those diseases can have on other family members. Perhaps we can begin with rare epilepsies themselves. What are they? How rare are they? And, and how do they manifest themselves? Um, so the rare epilepsies that the studies that I'm going to talk about today focus on are um, a couple of different types. Uh, one is Dravet syndrome and one is Lennox-Gastaut syndrome. And they uh, are brain disorders which occur at an early age, often beginning in infancy and toddlerhood. And they can have very severe cognitive, behavioral, and neurological uh, deficits, including a higher risk of early mortality for some of these patients. Um, there's an ad- elevated risk of pseudepsis, unexplained death from epilepsy, <clears throat> which, of course, is very and difficult for these families to deal with. So these are um, kind of not your garden variety epilepsies. These are more uh, rare and much more severe and uh, start very early in life. In terms of the impact these conditions have on family members, what's it like inside a household with a child who has one of these conditions? How frequent are seizures or how disruptive are they? when they happen within the house, does everything come to a stop? And is there a crisis mode or a race to the hospital? Um, it it does vary, but again, these diseases definitely um, can have uh, pretty severe debilitating effects on the families on a regular basis. Um, the, uh, you know, some patients will have, uh, you know, can have many even, uh, up to 100 seizures a day sometimes. Um, 
They may vary in terms of intensity, but um, often the family has kind of a way that they deal with the seizures uh, in the moment at home and then at a certain level if they are not <clears throat> being uh, adequately addressed with whatever they're doing at home, they they do often have to call uh, an aid car or 911. Uh, so it's quite um, traumatic for the families. Uh, families talk about that kind of life just shuts down for them. They often um, can't leave the, the house um, or living, you know, kind of almost uh, captive in their house because of these severe seizures, which they're never sure when they'll strike and, and what they'll have to do to, to manage that. What's the sibling voice survey, and, and what was it trying to figure out? We were very interested in um, kind of understanding the siblings' experience. Um, there's, a, you know, research focused on um, the impact of different rare diseases on families and uh, particularly spouses and caregivers. But the siblings who also live with these um, diseases and the impact on, on the family life um, are often not um, kind of brought into the picture. And uh, we don't know that much about the impact on them, yet these siblings are growing up in, in these homes and certainly are greatly impacted by these conditions. And there was a survey done um, several years ago asking parents um, about what their concerns were. And I think the rate was about 75 or 77 percent of parents who have a child with one of these uh, rare, severe epilepsies uh, expressed concern about how their um, other child or other children were, were coping living situation. Uh, so, uh, Zogenics, uh, wanted to do a study to look at, um, more specifically how these siblings were coping and, and what were some of the impacts on their mood and their functioning in other ways. How do researchers go about seeking to, to measure the impact of something like this on siblings? So they asked me to, to get involved and I have some, um, Experience in this area, I am a um, psychologist at the University of Washington, uh, and I work with people with acquired disabilities, and I've been doing research and clinical work looking at the impact on both patients and families for, for, for many years. Um, and um, I've also done some work in the rare disease community looking at the impact on families. So especially if you want to... Um, and look at children or find out how children are doing, um, first have to get consent from the parents. Um, and then what we did uh, to make it easy for the families, because they are, you know, spread across the country, especially with a rare disease, it's hard to get everybody to come into a clinic, uh, is we put together an online survey uh, that would uh, ask siblings some of these questions. And we had different versions of the survey we created based on different age groups. Um, we had kind of a younger child version, which was the 9 to 12-year-old uh, siblings, and then a 13 to 17-year-old siblings. And then we also asked adult siblings to um, complete the surveys as well, both retrospectively, so their experiences looking back, and as well as how they're doing now. And what 
What who was included in the study? Um, we included the the so we put out um, information through all the um, different uh, severe epilepsy uh, patient advocacy groups through the Gervais syndrome and the LGS syndrome and some other organizations, and told them about the study. And then they were, if they were interested, uh, they went through the consent process and then participated um, in the study online. So we had a um, kind of a group of siblings across both those uh, diseases. And, and what kind of questions were asked? So we asked them questions about um, how they're uh, how worried or scared they might feel when their sibling has a seizure, um, whether they uh, are concerned about not getting as much attention from mom or dad uh, related to their sibling seizures. Uh, we also asked them some questions if they um, experience feeling jumpy or getting easily startled, again, kind of looking at anxiety um, questions. And then we um, also asked them if they had uh, people that they talked to about their siblings' condition and how comfortable they were talking to other people about it. And, and what did you find? Well, what we found was that there were some pretty high rate, you know, you can't really diagnose depression or a clinical depression or anxiety disorder online. You really have to do that in, in the office of the clinical interview. But what we asked about were some symptoms that kind of give us a, a um, an indication that someone may be struggling. And so what we found was there were pretty um, high rates of uh siblings in, in all the different age groups that were endorsing feeling um, unhappy and sad at times, feeling kind of irritable and grumpy, feeling anxious and worried, um, and a very high rate, especially in the younger group, 79%, reported a fear that their sibling might die. So you've ki these kids experience fear, depression, anxiety. Do we know anything about the long-term impacts on siblings? Um, this study was just a cross-sectional study, so kind of just a snapshot of, snapshot of <clears throat> how kids were doing um, kind of at the time. But we did have a group of adult siblings um, and asked them both to kind of look back retrospectively about how they think they were doing and also about how they're doing at this point. And we did find a, a pretty high rate of the adults of who were struggling with uh, both depression and anxiety disorders as adults. Does this ever rise to post-traumatic stress? Well, we were starting to, we, we have some indication, and, and that's certainly a, a question that I had. Um, it would make sense that some of these kids might have some of those symptoms, you know, given the sort of uh, high levels of stress that they are um, living in, um, kind of the, the stress soup, I think, of, of their daily life. Um, we did not specifically ask about PTSD symptoms, but um, I think there's some indication for sure that uh, folks were struggling 
uh, with, uh, you know, ongoing symptoms of anxiety uh, and low mood and some feelings of trauma as well. When parents have a, a, a child with a rare condition, that alone can be quite overwhelming. I imagine it's hard for them to always focus on the effects that may be having on uh, another child. Are, are there signs that parents should look for of stress that they should be sensitive to? Are there conversations they should be having with the other children? Um, that's a great question. I, I, the, the last thing I want to do is to make um, parents uh, who are already struggling with a very um, challenging rare disease to feel like they're not doing enough. I, I, I appreciate uh, that they have a tremendous amount on their, on their plate. Uh, and of course, given all that they have to manage with their child with the, the severe epilepsy, uh, it would be um, easy and um, understandable if you weren't uh, always able to give as much attention and focus to your other children. Um, one of the goals of doing this study was to kind of highlight some of these um, aspects that the siblings are coping with to bring some awareness out there, not only to parents, but also to healthcare providers, you know, pediatricians and other people, uh, teachers and other people might come in contact with these siblings so that there um, is an opportunity for them to, to check in. And so I would encourage parents, and hopefully after seeing the results of this study, it's um, kind of a, a reminder to check in to see how your other children are doing. And how tuned in should physicians be to these types of issues within a, a rare disease family when they see a, a sibling of, of a child with a rare condition? Uh, one of the questions we did uh, ask on the survey was if um, their sibling with epilepsy, if that um, physician or that healthcare team ever checked in to see how the sibling was doing during the um, kind of regular appointments that they go in for their sibling seizures. And very few said that the uh, kind of their brother or sister's health team checked in with them. So I think that could be a missed opportunity that the um, epilepsy team could um, check in with how the sibling is doing. Uh, and I also think pediatricians or whoever might be seeing the siblings for their own health care should be alerted um, that these are, you know, potential problems. And so kind of checking in and doing an assessment of mood on that sibling could be important during one of their <clears throat> annual checkups. I, I should note that Zogenics, which has therapies for rare epilepsies, provided funding for the study. We're in a time when there's growing pressure on drug developers to establish value for the products they produce. I, I think traditionally such value arguments have been very focused on the patient that's being treated. Is there a case to make with a study like this that we should be thinking more broadly about the value of therapies such as ones the, the company's working on here? 
Um, <clears throat> I, well, I'm very interested, actually, not only in this project, but in other research projects I'm involved in, on looking at this idea of kind of burden, burden on the family and how, um, intervention treatment for the patient can also reduce um, psychological and even physical burden on the family. Uh, and I think that's an important thing to look at, even in outcome measures or outcome studies, as uh, potentially supportive uh, outcome measures looking at if the patient is treated and improves, how does that improve the uh, mental well-being or physical well-being of other family members. Lauren Schwartz, psychologist at the Rehabilitation Medicine Clinic at UW Medical Center and UW Associate Professor of Rehabilitation Medicine. Lauren, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.